This is a Big MX podcast brought to you by X Brand Goggles, presented by Golden Tire, Tech One Designs, West Side Honda, TransCanada Motorsports, Roy Wharton Suspension Systems, and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check out BigMXRadio.com for more content. Welcome to the Big MX Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, 204 Skate Shop, Tech One Designs, TransCanada Motorsports, Westside Honda, Roy Borton Suspension Systems, and Golden Tire. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got none other than Chad Watts. Chad, how's it going, brother? Good. Sound like you're a little bit under the weather uh, today, uh, battling, battling a little bit of a cold? Ah, you got wherever that bug is going around. I'm about over it though. So, just uh, just one night before Memorial Day. Uh, any plans for uh, the Memorial Day? Do you guys get a day off? Canada, we uh, we we spend the day uh, like no one goes to work. We uh, spend the day remembering. Is Veterans Day tomorrow? It is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's Veterans Day. You said Memorial. Oh, sorry. Um. And. Well, my natural birth father was in the military, and uh, he's up in heaven now. So I, I'll work, but not that much. I'll go to his gravesite and put flowers on it. You know, kind of not answer phones tomorrow. Fair enough. Rather solemn day. So how are things over at Watts Perfection? Uh, right now you're cleaning up uh, the gym area, but uh, I got to imagine that uh, you're still uh, plenty busy over there at Watts Perfections. Uh, any big, uh, any special projects you got going on lately? Have quite a bit of two-stroke and four-stroke motors, complete mods. I've got a couple project bikes, but I'm not going to release the information on those as of, of now. Yeah. And some suspension and a bunch of EFI reprogramming. We're staying busy. Let's put it that way. Absolute. Um, when it comes to motor modifications, and like a lot of people talk about like porting engines and whatnot, uh, what exactly are the, uh, the the techniques that you use to uh, to achieve the end result? And is there different uh, engine porting that you do for different riders or different conditions, or uh, basically like if you're looking for a different way to make power, or is it basically all basically trying to push air the best way you can? No, it's pretty. You have your basic setup. Like if a customer would just send me a cylinder and head in, it's always better to get the complete motor because you can have a KXF two fifty, two of them sit next to each other, and one will have a little different compression. Every bike varies just a little bit in the same due to uh, in the two stroke circumstances. Mm-hmm. So to get the best motor, it's best to have the whole motor, and you degree it. CC it, compression it before you even tear it down. And at the end, as you're assembling, you do the same process. And when it goes out the door, you have all the correct specs because the motor is assembled. And when it comes to customers, a lot of guys want to get away with just running high octane pump gas. And I don't care what any engine builder says, and even the top builders like Pro Circuit, etc. They're going to tell you to run race fuel, and if they do not run the race fuel that's required, then the motor is going to blow up. 
What uh, what triggers that that uh, blowing up? Like I like for the for those the lay person who doesn't understand uh, the why you wouldn't want to go with a pump gas or why that isn't good for the engine. Um, what goes on there? Like, is it is it pre Primarily the fact that it, uh, the lower octane fuel um, produces a whole lot more heat, um, producing more. Yeah, well, lower octane, especially when it comes to a two-stroke with a modified motor pumping way more compression, horsepower slash torque, it's going to detonate. And then also to a four-stroke, when you start putting more heavy duration, cam lobe, compression piston, it's going to detonate. It's going to make the valve seats wear quicker. Okay. You have to run the race fuel. Fair enough. And so as far as race fuel goes, what do you recommend uh, for most people, whether it be two-stroke or four-stroke? Uh, four, uh, two-stroke, actually, old school. CTC 12 which is 108-octane, leaded, non-oxygenated. Runs works very good with maximum nine two seven, and then four stroke. You know you got your MRX two. You got all your different fuels. You got your oxygenated. Of course, when you run oxygenated, you have to have uh, different programming for more fuel on the EFI systems. When it comes to the FCR carbs, you have to have richer jetty. Fair enough. As far as uh, motor modifications, if someone uh, was to come to you with a, uh, let's say, a KX250, uh, completely stock, the thing runs great, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever, uh, but they've got, uh, just just for motor mods specifically, they've got uh, $2,000 uh, to spend with you. Uh, how, how would you go about helping them spend their budget? We're talking two-stroke here, correct? Correct. On that, he... Best thing would be cylinder head mod, uh, put a V4C reed in it to match the boot to the reed and the carburetor. You could get away with bottom end split, matching the cases. Depending on the parts needed, it would be right around between two to 2500 due to parts. I mean, if your crank's bad, your clutch basket's wore out, training gear's broke, you know, that's another at least 750 to $1,000 in parts right there. Right. And especially if you want to go with the Henson uh, system, it's going to be even more, which I highly recommend Henson's on all my motors. Absolutely. What are some of the benefits to going to that rather than sticking with the stock system? Henson CNC is, is coated, is billet, the stock is cast, the Fibers rub against the fingers of the basket and they start grooving. The steel's engaged in the inner hub, start grooving, and then everything starts working sideways. So, not sideways, but kind of rocks when you activate the clutch and deactivate the clutch lever. Okay. Fair enough. Um, as far as uh, all of your, 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 the, the motor modifications that you make for the porting, uh, that's all done hand by, by yourself, correct? Yes, I'm the only one that touches that here. Fair enough, uh, and like I'm looking at your your website, you've got some very competitive prices, and uh, basically uh, for for what you're you're like you're you're very competitive priced for to basically have one of the uh, arguably one of the best wrenches in the last uh, twenty years in the, at least pro motocross um, uh, working on your bike. That's uh, that's a privilege that um, it's, it's an invaluable thing right there. 
Yeah, I was, I was, I was blessed. You know, had the right opportunities to work with the right riders. Fortunate enough to work with Mitch Payton. Fortunate enough to work with Kawasaki, KHI Japan, Honda, uh, HGA, which is back now to HRC uh, Honda. Mm-hmm. You know, Showa, uh, KYB, Ross at Enzo, Bones at Pro Circuit. You know, and even where I started that Bobby Barr here in North Carolina. He's the one who gave me an opportunity when I was 16 years old to start what I'm doing. So, um, to me, he's like a father to me. So, um, you know, you got you to appreciate for what people have done for you. You cannot take all the credit. If you take all the credit, you ain't going to go nowhere. For sure. It's a uh, definite value in knowing uh, where you've come from and who helped you get there. Yep, I'm, I'm blessed. Absolutely. Uh, as far as doing that whole motor, motor, motor modification, once that's all complete, uh, what can someone expect, mostly both, both from the engine characteristics and basically the feedback that they'd get from uh, those types of modifications, as well as uh, what type of uh, increases that you can get, uh, whether that be smoother power delivery, as well as uh, overall, horse, overall horsepower and torque? Well, as far as when it comes to smoother power, that's mainly just the old school 500s, especially the CR because they don't have a power valve. The KX, which does have a power valve, you know, you tone those down. I can remember at Kawasaki when I was Ryan Hughes mechanic and Jeff Warren and Kurnowski and LaRocco rode the 500s. Right. The motors were actually toned down. Right. To where they rest smoother and longer. Uh, as far as all the other motors go, Depends on which bike. Certain bike bike may have less bottom, needs a little bit there. Maybe another bike needs a little bit more over rev. Maybe the bike needs the whole, you know, power lifted through the whole process and come on at a different point of the throttle position. So it, it just varies on which bike and what year model. Fair enough. Um, before we get too far into this, uh, it's actually something that just came down today in the Canadian Nationals. Uh, they've made a, a rule amendment to their decision to allow uh, factory 252 strokes to be competing with uh, 250Fs uh, in the 250 class or the MX2 up in up in Canada, uh, basically restricting the uh, two-stroke uh, 252 stroke bikes to have nothing more than a pipe and silencer uh, as the modification to the whole motorcycle. Uh, obviously, some aftermarket parts, probably like a, a, a hints and clutch or something like that. But as far as the engine's concerned, uh, absolutely no modifications. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on on that type of rule change. Actually, this is the first I've heard of it. It just um, came down far, about two hours ago. Well, a tight, a tight track, a good rider, two fifty two strokes going to beat that two fifty. Yeah. Uh, on a wide open track, high torque, heavy loads such as in sand, real deep, wet, red clay, the two strokes going to be at a disadvantage. I mean, and we've got four I mean, sand like, tracks on this on the series. Pardon? There's four. There's four pretty deep sand tracks on the Canadian National Series. Well, the four strokes gonna have more torque, and they're gonna, especially if it has uphills. I mean, I don't agree with the rule. As long as it's standard stroke and bore, you should be able to modify it. Right. That's the way I look at it. 
Yeah, definitely a lot of Canadian uh, motocross fans up in arms over this. Uh, basically, a rule amendment that uh, passed down after uh, Gavin uh, or yeah, Kevin Benoit uh, winning. He was a KTM rider, raced both the 250F and the 450 during the season, ended up taking the championship, and uh, not two months later, now this rule amendment to basically eliminate the things that they could do to that 250 two-stroke. Um, but in, in my opinion... Even without the uh, the modifications, is that 250 still a pretty potent weapon right there? Yes. Yeah, if you, do, if you have the right modifications on it, no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, our CR250 at Honda, we made more than our 60 horsepower. I mean, at Pro Circuit, our KX125s made more than our 40 horsepower. I mean, that is massive difference between stock specifications. How how sustainable is that as far as like throughout the moto as well as as like for maintenance? You're having to tear that motor down literally every ride. Yeah, I mean that you know if you want to play, you got to pay. I mean you got to be willing to do it. Yeah. Um, there's motors like say my YZ 125s. There I have my customer spec, and then I have a spec that is high maintenance. But there's a big difference between the power of the torque and the revability on it. I mean, Cooper Webb, he's got one of the YZ125s that I built for south of the border that hole-shotted Loretta Lens. That's right. In a schoolboy class. And he loves that bike. He says it's fast as can be. And, uh, I mean, you just got to, I mean, you got to be able to maintain it. And yes, it's pricey to maintain due to the parts and, the labor, but if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. If you want just my customer spec, you know, every 18 hours change the piston, run race gas, 927 in it, and you're good to go. 927 is absolutely the mixing oil of choice, for sure mine, uh, as well as many others. Uh, hopefully trying to get uh, uh, Maximo to sponsor the show, actually, just as a side note. But uh, nevertheless, um, is there a kind of a happy medium between that um, basically full bore uh, modifications to uh, your, your customer setting? Yes, there is, but that's, you know, it's kind of like then you're going to have medium maintenance on it. Right. Okay. Um, it's just you just got to be willing to maintain it. Fair enough. So, I mean, I can go with you a two-stroke motor and it'll last forever, but it's not going to have near the horsepower of the torque or revability of my full blown. Um, and all my all my stuff is standard stroke and bore. Besides my super minis, I do not believe in stroking and boring. Right. So a one twenty-five is a one twenty-five. Yes, sir. Excellent. Uh, as like actually getting back to when you you helped out Jerry Robin at the la two years ago's uh, um, Loretta Lynn's, uh, those were straight up two fifties as well, correct? Yes, straight up. Yeah. The, oh, the uh, eighty five Honda. It was a one or two over board, but it was after all the specification, it was still under the, the legal displacement value. But it was standard stroke. But the, the old cylinders, you know, they were not nickel sealed or electric fusion back in those days. So you have to bore them. Right. And I actually had a customer call me last week once one of those motors built because he heard it online and listened to it. So I'm going to be doing another 85 Honda. 
There you go. You've 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 do, you've dove feet first into the eighty five Honda business. How do you feel about that? I mean, whatever the customer wants, you know, it don't bother me. I like restoring old stuff. I mean, I like when the product goes out the door, you know, I like hearing it because the old two-strokes even have a different sound than compared to, say, Robin's 07 CR250 that south of the border owns that he won the two-stroke class on. Right. They have a different tone to them because you, you ain't got the different power valve system. You know, it's, it's totally different. Port design, you got case inducted read. So I, I enjoy it. I like challenges. For sure. Uh, one, one thing that might not be a huge challenge for you is if a 2000 uh, or 1995 through 02 uh, KX125 rolls into your shop. I, I got to imagine you're, uh, you're both rolling your eyes and licking your chops at the exact same time uh, tackling another one of those machines. How many of those do you think you've rebuilt over the years? Lord have mercy. Um <laughs> I say from 1988 till present. I mean, at the race teams, I built you know probably 30 motors, race, probably 20 practice, and maybe 20, 30 test engines a year. So you times that times friggin' 14 years, and maybe another 50 per year. Do the math. I've done a lot of them. That's that's quite a few. So you're you're fairly well versed in the uh, the KX 125 or 250. Uh, obviously, a little bit more experience with the uh, the 125. Is that your uh, the bike of choice when you're doing a build? No, I mean nothing to me sounds better than a good tuned 125 with a high revving rider on it. There you go. I mean that that sounds the best to me. I mean Lampson um, Rhino. Um, they actually read a little bit higher than Carmichael did. But, uh, I mean, Carmichael on that 125, I mean, that thing sounded like a fine-tuned piano. I mean, that's the, them things barked. No kidding. Um, as far as uh, building a competitive engine, uh, would you rather uh, a, a 125 or 250? And uh, depending on which, with either one, how do they differ in terms of uh, making a top-flight motor? Well, it depends on... The, I mean, a 125 Yamaha compared to a 125 Cali is going to have a different deck to deck height. So, I mean, you got to because every motor is going to be a little bit different. So, you may have to cut the base on one 125. You may have to raise the base. You may have to cut the head on one. You may have to cut the squish on one. You may have to do ten different things to the cylinder and the head. It just varies. And as far as it comes to 125s or 250s, it don't bother me. Ever which one, bring it in. They're the same. Uh, as far as hours uh, hours spent on e- uh, either one, fairly the same as well? Mm, depends on what all the customer wants done. You know, if, if you want super finished transmission, in some basket. If certain motors require stuff in the cases. It, it just varies yeah. when it comes to the labor. All right. Um, well, you entered the uh, the professional wrenching uh, world in uh, late '80s, early '90s. Um, you were right, wrenching on Kawasaki's, correct? Yes. 
Um, what were some of the uh, the the common issues that the early Cowies or early '90s, late '80s Cowies had? Obviously, uh, I think '89 they had the the Unirad, which uh, may or may not have provided its own problems, uh, as well as like any problems that you would have came across. How did you solve those problems, and uh, what did you learn from it? Solving it was a lot of R and D, a lot of blown up stuff on the dyno, um, a lot of testing on the field. Um, and as like Mitch Payton said this one time, you know, we're making chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know, we have a stock bike. You can have one of them that makes 29 horsepower, and then you get another one out of the creek that makes 31, and thing had no torque and blowing up parts like crazy on the dyno to get the configuration and reliability in order for us, you know, to be able to be, you know, willing and have all the proper equipment at the first race. Now, as far as you, like the guys you worked for, um, who, who would have been the most, uh, like finicky or, uh, who's the hardest to work for, uh, as far as, uh, some of the, like you worked for, uh, well, Brown, uh, Hughes, um, Pichon, regrettably, and, uh, Carmichael. You ain't gotta go no, you ain't gotta go no further, Pichon. <laughs> what was uh like I, i'm i i know i heard you on the the public Mech show probably two almost just over two years ago talking uh just a brief bit on uh, uh your disdain for working with him tell us a little bit more about that and basically uh what made that so difficult uh from both the personality standpoint as well as uh trying to please your rider Pichon was a good kid I mean, he had, he had more talent in his pinky than Carmichael had in his whole body. Right. But he didn't have, he didn't have the drive. Um, he would whine, and it got worse, like, you know, in 96, when he bailed off Atlanta Supercross over that triple and slid down the face of the jump, or the landing of the jump. We're like, oh, man, he's hurt, you know. Well, the kid came back and won the first moto next week, at Gainesville by 20-something seconds over Lampson and Wyndham and everybody. And then me and Mitch, we looked at each other between motos, and I said, uh, we're screwed, second moto. He kind of nodded his head, and sure enough, he was tired. Second moto got like 27th or something. Oh. Well, then he came down with that sickness, um, I forget what it was, and then he just started making excuses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, he had work suspension, and then I would have to, at Mount Morris, he decided he wanted to change to pro-circuit suspension. So I had to change the swing arm, the triple clamps, the shock, the forks, the brakes, all in between the first practice and the second practice. Then he had me change handlebars one time because he said they were different than bars. And I had them all marked, made me change them four times. And then next year, when he went to Suzuki, Tony Baluti told me that he, Sean told him that he was just jacking with me. So, playing games with uh, with your top tuner—that's uh, that's foul play. Yeah, Mitch Mitch Payton had to pull me or roll me away a couple times because I told him I was going to beat his butt. Sean's. <laughs> but you did end up getting your your first championship as a mechanic. Uh, how did that feel? Like getting getting uh, the. Your first championship, um, having a championship bike that you had worked on uh, tirelessly over an entire season. It was good. That, yeah, that was Pichon, 96, East Coast. It was kind of a rough weekend because 
all the bunch of mechanics. Like there was thirty or thirty five mechanics stayed up at my parents' farm and our semi and a bunch of semis and we all stayed there. Well, our semi on the way from my parents' farm to the Charlotte Speedway got rear-ended by a trash truck. So we had to take the front-end loader and rip the rear end off the lift gate and load the bikes in the bucket of the loader and bring them down. So then, plus, I'm the one that picks Mitch up at the airport and no one would go with me. So then I had to deal with that. You're a trooper. And then we won the championship, so me and Mitch... Us two just went to Waffle House and ate. That's how we celebrated the championship that night. Then got a rider truck, built the bike. I drove the rider truck to Dallas, raced. I think we won. I'm not sure. I can't remember. And then one of the other mechanics drove from there to California, and I flew back to California. Now, um, Mikel is one of the only riders, other than one of your other riders, um Ricky, who actually rode uh, with uh, different gear than the, the the Pro Circuit team during their stint with Pro Circuit. Um, any idea how either one of those guys uh, pulled that off? Um, I'm not going to comment too much on that. That's between Mitch and Fair the enough. riders. You know, that I'm not going to say nothing on that. Fair enough. I was more or less curious because I know uh, Pichon rode with JT the year that you rode with him, correct? Yes, yes, he did. JT yeah. gear. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. Let's start off Let's start with start Tech, off One with Tech One Designs. Tech One Design is the one-stop shop for everything custom when it comes to motocross or lifestyle in general. They've got apparel, t-shirts, both pit shirts and just casual shirts, graphics, over 24 semi-custom designs, obviously you can do a full custom kit yourself, two special editions and 19 different backgrounds to choose from. Tech One Designs has been doing this for a number of years, since 2010, been doing unbelievable graphics, you name it. Phone wraps, helmet wraps, neck brace decal wraps, anything custom, they can make it happen, and uh, they've been doing so for quite some time. Um, hit them up at techonedesigns.com or email jamie at techonedesigns.com to get started today. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, 
Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at 1-888-482-7782. Boom! Westside! What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. Epic's a racing man. But more than Fox, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bull. Amigos with brand. Fat bull. Amigos with brand. Oats for power. Brands for speed. Ooh, that tastes what a delicious treat. Cereal bees, Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So, what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Who is the hardest on stuff of all your riders? Uh, I got to imagine Ryan Hughes' name gets to get popped up here. Yeah, Ryan has to be pretty tough on stuff. Ricky could go through practice bikes like crazy, like two weeks at the most of practice bikes in the last, you know, Pichon of practice bikes in the last six months. Rhino, I think the hardest thing he was on was on was his JT helmet. I pick up that freaking visor, snap on visor and fins, bring it to me. I don't know how many times in 1990. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, when it comes to uh, working on bikes, um, as far as in the garage, I think this is something that's like. Uh, a lot of uh, listeners will be able to relate to. Uh, do you listen to music in the in the garage at all? And if so, uh, what do you listen to? Country, baby. Country, baby. <laughs> New, newer stuff or older stuff? Um, newer stuff. Hank Williams and I like. A, we had this big uh, music festival about thirty minutes from my shop here up the mountains, and bands come in for like four days, and it's like really good new bluegrass music. 
and uh, I like listening to that too. Fair enough. And then, of course, I have to listen to freaking all that cartoon music, Disney music, with my daughter being four and a half years old, and she's singing, and the mom singing in the car, and I'm like, oh my god, I got a headache going to the grocery store. How many times have you watched the movie Frozen so far? That's the CD right there. You hit it right on the spot. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, there's, one cool, there's one cool cartoon I like watching with my daughter. It's Andy Mandy. That's right, he's Andy little, Mandy. Yeah, um, he's a little craftsman. That's right. Taking, uh, taking Him and the tools. Yep. Uh, as far as in the race shop, uh, who who controlled the uh, the radio at uh, at PC? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we kind of had neutral grounds on that. It wasn't country out there. No, it was you know just common modern music. Your SoCal. Yeah, SoCal. In my truck, I had a kicker. I had a kicker competition stereo in it. They gave me, and when we went to lunch, I was blasting country music bouncing those boys bounce backs off the seat there you go to teach them how what, what real music sounds like um speaking of uh you driving uh ryan hughes stories and him telling me stories about uh a, uh, a young chad watts um recall if uh for us if you can uh a drive um that it was a four-hour drive and i believe you got four speeding tickets uh back to shelby north carolina Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, it was me. It was me, Ryan, and Dave Castillo. Um, you know, Jim Castillo, the right, of course, founder of CTI. Yep. Yeah, we were coming back for we raced Mount Morris National, and I had, we had to haul butt because I was doing homeschooling. And I had to do graduation rehearsal on Monday morning, so I was a huffing and puffing. And, and yeah, I got like yeah, you know, I did get four speeding tickets in a matter of. <laughs> I don't know, whatever, from Mount Morris to Shelby, North Carolina, 800 miles, maybe 700, I don't know. But I made my graduation. That's what mattered. That's what mattered, absolutely. Uh, tickets be damned. Um, did you ever drive the series, uh, Chad, as a, as a mechanic? Did you drive the series in a blocks van whatsoever? Yes. Um, in 80, from 88 to very, like, just beginning of January, or to the beginning of January 1990, before I moved to California. Mm-hmm. Forest Competition had a box fan, and we'd do like Munio and Redland. And then when I moved to California, I drove box fans for Ryan from that period of early 90 till uh, right before um, Washington National is the last time I drove a box fan. What? And then after that, I drove box fan. When Ryan was hurt, because he was good at getting hurt, when he was hurt, I worked for Pro Circuit, and I would do suspension, and I would take their box van, and I'd go to the Nationals. Oh, so, like, uh, like actually, that's a great great question. Uh, that's what you were up to when uh, when your, your rider gets hurt, is that uh, you, you still work for the, the team, obviously, but uh, you were driving the truck and doing suspension uh, on the weekends? Well, actually, I worked for Ryan when I did the Pro Circuit deal when he was hurt. So I could make the income. Okay. I did pick the pro circuit amateur support box man and had parts in it. And I would go to like Lake Whitney or mini Olympics and even the red lens. I would be there, the, the guy for pro circuit. 
but go. still Ryan was my rider, but he was hurt, so that was something else for me to do, and plus learn more. For sure. Um, what are some of your fondest memories of working with uh, Rhino? I know that's uh, one of the one of the strongest characters uh, of the last twenty five years in motocross racing. Uh, definitely someone with a lot of character, and I know you've you've got a lot of stories with him. What are some of your fondest memories of working with Rhino? Well, the best overall is the guy's got heart. You know, he he is a driver, and he gives you the motivation to drive. Um, he has a good family. I mean, my, I worked for him. His father passed away the night of Houston Supercross, and we didn't find out till he got back to California because his mom, Kathy, didn't want to tell us. Um, he was there when my national birth father passed away. So, you know, family is the best part. But um, as far as, I mean, shoot, 1990, we won't two, I think at least two classes, like at World Minis, we won Tonka City, we won Loretta Lens, we won Lake Whitney, we won Mini O's. I mean, it was just kind of like a growing process, you know. It was a good time. Um, what about... Uh... What about uh, Ricky? I know you spent a lot of time with Ricky in your career, and uh, he he spent his, the, the beginning of his career uh, on on pro circuit. Uh, what was he like as a teammate to the other riders, uh, as well as uh, the dynamic of him being so dominant uh, on in a team atmosphere? Ricky respected all the other riders, and we had some of the riders. I'm not going to mention names throughout the years that Ricky was at Pro Circuit on the 125 that thought they did not have the opportunity to have the same equipment, which is false. The only time a, a rider got different equipment that may be better is because we happened to test late in the week and did not have time to make enough of those cylinders in a day for all the riders. It don't matter whoever was the top rider, whether it's Ricky or whoever was top position and on our team of point standings, got that new part, which that was rare. I think that only maybe happened once or twice during the 125 era that Ricky was on. Um, that was, I mean, he, and he treated all the riders with respect, and he really liked Craig Decker because Decker did a lot of testing for us, and I would get testing with Decker because Ricky couldn't make it out to California and Craig would test and Ricky trusted his opinion. So sometimes we'd do that and then Nathan Ramsey, the same way, he did a lot of the motocross nations testing and like road at Steel City, he would ride Ricky's motocross nations testing on unleaded gas to make sure it made it through the mozo. So Ricky had respect for the riders. How did, um, a, like, basically uh, building a bike for donations uh, change, uh, change from racing uh, the AMA series? Well, you got unleaded fuel, so you got a, you got different sound ordinance, so you, you got different decimal level, so you had to make sure you passed that. Then you had to, the fuel, because, I mean, we had to pump our compression down massive, and so when you do that, then you got to get the torque back to lower compression. So it was a little challenging. It'd be like if Europe came over here at that era 
and they had to go by our rules. They would have to do major testing to do that. Well, so they'd have to change we their always, bikes altogether. Yeah, yeah, we we were totally prepared when we went completely. Speaking of such, um, Ricky Carmichael changed from Kawasaki's to Hondas in 2001. And uh, word was that there was a Honda prepared for him to go race uh, at the donations before uh, the tragedy of 9-11. Um, did, you, did you build that Honda for him? And what went into uh, building that? Well, at 9-11, I remember getting up that morning. I was waiting on Ricky and Osho to pick me up at my house in Corona, California. And we're going to Honda Secret Facility. And they were late, as usual. Mm-hmm. So we, we got, and I woke up, and I thought I was watching a movie. I got out of the shower, and my, my girlfriend, which is my wife now, says, look at this. And that's when I saw the plane go to the second tower. So we got up there and started testing the first time. And then at the end of the day, we were already assured that we were not going. Because we were afraid going over there and getting stuck. You know, going over there was one thing, but getting home was the main concern. Right. And the bike, as far as the bike, the bike never got built. The bike in the photos, which I've told this, I had a dollar for every time I tell this. <laughs> there was a cha- there was a chassis there, but it did not have a motor. It did not have suspension on it. Or Ricky for his nation. Okay. That bike is Tortelli's national bike that. I took, put Ricky's numbers on it. I picked up Kevin Wendland's bike and picked up Mike Brown's bike at Pro Circuit, those two, put them in my truck and went to Ken Falls and they did a photo shoot. And you want to talk about people honking and trying to roll their windows going down 91 freeway <laughs> in California with three motocross and nation's bike in the back of your truck? I'm surprised you didn't you get uh, taken out. I got a big truck. I would have ran them over. <laughs> That's wild. So that that bike, the bike that you prepared for, or the the bike that was in the photo shoot, um, that's that's Tortelli's bike I, yeah. with graphics yep, on. I just cleaned it, just just cleaned it up, made it a little bling bling, and put Ricky's graphics, his nation's graphics on it, which I have sets of all of Ricky's nation's graphics from the years that he went that I really? saved. Yeah, I've got them. Were you were you using a mechanic at sorry, uh, were you using mechanic at uh, France when they won? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, Jeremy. Everybody's funny. Motorcycle News did a, a thing after uh, that. They said Jeremy Albert was his mechanic. That's right. Jeremy was my Jeremy was my helper. I built the whole bike. I did it all. But Jeremy had to have a helper at his nations. Mm-hmm. He only have so much time, like in uh, England. Kenny Germain, which at that time he's a pro circuit, then a Honda, he was Fonseca's mechanic. Him and Gus, which was a mechanic, no, excuse me, Grace A, which just passed away, which was Shade Bentley's mechanic, was my helper because he had to change subframes because it was so muddy. We pulled a motor out, threw another motor in, and you only got 20 minutes to wash the bike with mud and change all that stuff. And we had, you had to be in. Uh, at FIM races, they lock the gate. If you don't make it in, you don't race. So we finished up the bike in impound before the gate dropped. Holy. 
That's wild. So, yeah, everybody thinks, yeah. Because Jeremy had that big old American hat on with all the paint on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought that because uh, from uh, a couple of the video clips that I've seen that uh, they, they zoom in on Albrecht and uh, he said, uh, like, there's a, fr- a French guy talking. He says, uh, uh, he says Americans are going to win or something like that. And I was like, um, that, I just assumed, right? It's the only, only um, the, the, the camera didn't pan on you. But uh, uh, you, so you uh, were I the mechanic for that? I yeah, I was a mechanic at all of the stations for Ricky. There you go. All of them. And it was kind of cool. That year was my old rider, Ryan Hughes, on the team. That's right. And my current rider on the team. So it was pretty cool. And there's one funny thing about that race. It went funny for about three seconds. We're down in that, that lineup for qualifying, and we ran gas forks, like had nitrogen on, just like the shop does, or KYBs did. Right. So you had two separate bleeder screws. Well, Ricky was talking to me, and I was bleeding the one screw. And when he's t- I looked at him and talked to him, I went, oh, S-H-I-T. Here's a ding, 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 ding. A little four-millimeter screw. And luckily, I saw it drop in the skid plate. And I no grabbed way. it and put it back in. And he said, ooh, that would have been good. I said, ah, oh, you've been all right. You just had oil shooting all over your face for a few laps. No big deal. Not a big deal. For sure. Um, what was it like working with uh, Jeremy Albrecht? Uh, like um, working alongside other mechanics. Obviously, uh, you you must have made some friends, and obviously, sometimes you don't get along. Uh, was was that a good relationship that you had with him? Albrecht, yeah, man, we were always good. Um, we got along good, and he would come over because I on off weekends. Like Emmy would come over, maybe. Jeremy sometimes, Phil Lawrence, and I had a pretty nice pool out in California, and I just liked barbecuing, and we'd all hang out, and Jeremy would come over, and Anthony Paggio sometimes, I mean, we all, Jimmy Button, we all were good friends, I mean, they're, they're a bunch of good guys, and of course, you got certain ones, when you're winning, I, I know the rider has, you know, a target on their back, but the mechanic does too. Right. Not near as extreme by no means, but you know, you you get some people don't like you when you're winning. And For sure. I'm a mechanic. I'm a mechanic. I'm a, I'm a human being. I'm a hillbilly, and I'm going to stand up for what I believe. If you don't like what I say, then I'm sorry. Yeah, and you don't you don't want to mess with a hillbilly when he's got something to believe in. Yep. That's for sure. But um, I, highly, I highly respected everyone and all those mechanics. I mean, in Vegas one year, I presented the uh, mechanic award. I think, yeah, Craig Monty got it. She was Billman's mechanic that year. Even though we won the title, Craig got it. Because AMA said I got it the year before. They ain't going to give it to me, but I had to present it. Mm-hmm. So what I did, me and Bevo Forte went up there, and I told Bevo, I got a surprise for you. He said, oh, boy. So before I presented the award, I called every mechanic out of the crowd, whether I know you, don't know you, you're a privateer, factory mechanic, come up here, y'all be deserving applause for your recognition for what you do because you work just as hard as I do. And they all came up there and asked the crowd to give them applause. And then they got, then the award was presented to Monty. I got in a little trouble for that one, but I don't care. 
Fair enough. No, it's definitely worth it. Um, that was uh, you. You did get the 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 mechanic of the year the year before that. Um, tell us uh, about the night that you got your very first top tech award. You talking about Mechanic X award or the other Mechanic awards I have? The, the the other Mechanic awards that you have, and also like well, uh, for Supercross is usually a top tech award at the the races as well. Yes, uh, but it differs in them at the awards banquet. Right. And see, it was '96. I got the one from AMA, and then '97 it started from EA Sport, Sports and from AMA both, I started receiving them every year until I resigned. It was okay. it was pretty special. I mean, you know, you got to thank you go up there and you thank the people that got you there, and that was cool. It was it was a good feeling. Now, if you had one bike that you got that you worked on uh, throughout your career uh, to to have at your shop, rather than uh, like maybe one of your riders has it, or maybe it's it's owned by the team. If you could have one of those bikes uh, that you worked on uh, for one of the years, what bike would it be? Two thousand three KTM sixty five. Aha! And why is that? I saved, I don't know, between 14 to 16 pounds off of it. Um, handmade swing arm, billet hubs, clamps, twin chain, or excuse me, compression and rebound forks, works billet shock, engine case covers, all titanium, and the thing sounded like in between an 85 and a 125. <laughs> it, even has, it even has the Versace seat cover on it. There you go. Um, father bought a purse. Father bought a purse, and he cut the stitching up, and I took the purse and made it into a seat cover. That's wild. And uh, how many hours went into a project like that? That was probably about um, between sixty to eighty. Sixty to eighty hours. Wow. So that that's spread out over a number of weeks, obviously. Yeah, about a three three week period. Holy. Um, Proudest bike you uh, that a professional bike that uh, that you worked on. Proudest of the uh, how how well the bike performed throughout a year throughout your uh, throughout your career. Um, I would have to say the truest trickest bike was our O one KX two fifty. The year before, that thing weighed like two hundred and thirty. 31 pounds, give and take a pound or two. That's wet or dry. And then, and then we dropped it down, thanks to KHI making all the awesome parts, and through US and me making the parts, we dropped it down to like 217. So for every seven horse, seven pounds, that's a horsepower. So we almost got three horsepower just by uh, weight ratio. Had carbon fiber seat base, Air box, magnesium, pet cock. I mean, the thing was a true, true work of art. It was so work of art, it was almost illegal. <laughs> Fair enough. That's uh, and and of course, you're also having to pack that into a very small motorcycle for a very small man. Uh, Ricky Carmichael, your rider. Uh, what were some of the challenges uh, that faced you? Uh, Basically, building a bike for someone who uh, is borderline miniature. 
only thing he was really picky about, most pain in my rear end, was the seat. I could have 10 seats with new seat covers on them, different shaded foams, different height foams, different roundness, uh, different densities. And I could use one seat one week, and then next week, he said, I don't like his seat. So I'd get another one. And then two weeks later, he would like that seat that I took off two weeks before. And then sometimes, here he would come with this practice bike seat, looked like a Doberman had got a hold of it, chewed the phone because of his knee braces, and I would have to patch that seat up and make it look good, put a new cover on it, put it on my race bike. So that, he would, his seat, he was really picky on now, i got to imagine you've done uh, countless numbers of seat covers in the years, uh, a task that most people cringe at or definitely don't tackle uh, if they're not experienced. What are some tips that you have for those at home uh, looking to uh, go out and get themselves a seat cover and, and install it themselves? Well, first of all, you need a good staple gun. You know, that end stapler, that thing bounces, you can't use in one. I mean, you can go buy a cheap one that uses the staples and then pull through the seat covers. You gotta get a good electric staple gun or air one that uses the wide staples is first of all most important. Yeah. And then you wanna make sure the phone ain't wet, you wanna make sure there ain't holes in the phone. You need to do that, then you need to patch it. And then when you do a seat cover, you pretty much gotta stretch it and pull it as you go. Stretch it and pull it. And hopefully, everything lines up. In fact, uh, one of the thing, one of the things I, I got to give you a hand for was uh, all of those pro circuit bikes where the graphic kit moved into the the seat cover. I got to imagine that was an absolute, like just the bane of your existence as a as a tuner. All the other mechanics um, would put at that time when the the shrouds flew flowed into the seat or air box, vice versa. Mm-hmm. They would put all their graphics on before. I'd build my whole bike with the seat cover, put my seat on, and lay my graphics out, and then pull my shroud back off and put my decal on in because I knew it was lined up. I'd do that on all the processes. So if you do it on the bench and you pull that seat cover a different way than you did the one last week, your lines may be off, you know, two, three millimeters, maybe even worse. And I like my stuff to look clean. Exactly. Uh, one of the most beautiful and cleanest bikes and definitely one of the most dependable one that you ever worked on was in the 2002, your perfect season bike. Uh, two perfect season technically because you had a, a perfect season of the KX125 in 1998. Uh, but your the outdoor bike uh, has got to be something that uh, you hold near and dear to your heart because that thing uh, did 24 straight motos and uh, without a single hiccup. Um, did you ever have any close moments with that bike at all? Was there any like any times that you worried about it at all, or um, are you ever confident? Now, that bike was pretty solid. The only, only thing had, which would, you could have went on and done the moto, but I wasn't going to let it happen, was going from the first to the second moto at Southwick in 02. We had offset collars where engine cases where you could rotate the engine where the swing arm pivot goes through. And my, my bike was done. I was eating a sandwich and getting ready to leave, and I looked, 
down. I'm like, man, that looks like a crack. So I got down close and I'm like, damn, damn, that is a crack. So on the headset, Cliff White, you know, the head tech at that time, I told him what was going on. Of course, other mechanics heard it. And I said, I want to change it. He said, I know it'll be fine, but I want to change it. So Goose said, I'm on my way. So while he's on his way, I pull the swing arm pivot off and pull the chain off and slide the uh, swing arm off. And we changed that thing in like three minutes and had it ready to go. And uh, we won the motor, of course. And there was another one. It was that same year we had lighter pistons than stock. And they were single rings, and we had some issues. And I wanted to change my piston after practice on Friday, which I was allowed to. And then I wanted to change them after practice on Saturday. Well, we won San Diego, I think San Diego or Anaheim. We won. I took my motor apart because they wouldn't let me change it due to they didn't want things public thinking that something was wrong with Honda's part. I said, well, I can take it in the semi and change it. They said, no, you can't. Well, I pulled my motor apart the next week. Only me and one of the Japanese engineers is at Honda. I pulled my piston out and it's almost cracked all the way through. If they would have been another lap, that piston would have disintegrated. Next morning I get to work, Honda management, upper management calls me in a meeting and tells me I can't say anything about it. So. Until just now. Yeah, they wouldn't even let me tell Ricky. Really? Um, yeah. Who who worked on his bikes as a practice mechanic uh, throughout the years um, been, in Florida? I built them all at Cali and at First Circuit. Um, he had spare engines, uh, suspension, wheels. His dad did all the maintenance. Um, at Honda, he always had three practice bikes, two of them always in Florida. When one got wore out, he would ship it back in the box complete in the container. Another one would go out to him. And I built all the practice motors. And Jonathan, he's in, he was Highland. He was Kevin Williams' mechanic mm-hmm. that unfortunately took his own life Right back in 04, I believe it was. He built the chassis. But, um, I built, actually, I built 40-something motors for practice motors that year. I mean, they could have been Morocco's, Tortelli's, Ricky's, you know. Just whenever the mechanic had time, we would build spare motors just, you know, to keep Jonathan with the flow of things. Right. How how do uh, practice motors differ from an, uh, from a race engine, especially back then? None. None. Same, Same thing. Fair enough. So, um... Uh, obviously, Ricky being a rider, uh, maintenance and stuff, not his uh, forte, and uh, Big Rick's not always around to do all the work. Um, ever a mechanical blunder that uh, that Ricky came across, or that you you come across Ricky doing, or maybe a bike that came back that you just scratch your head that how was he riding this this way or something like that? Uh, they were just wore out. <laughs> I mean, it's two weeks. I mean, he put so many hours on it between Eldon and Mama C, you know, pounding him, which was good. And they were, they were just slap wore out. They were just time to get rebuilt. 
Fair enough. And so after all those rebuilt engines, uh, when it was time to uh, put down the wrenches as far as a professional mechanic, you were able to step back and uh, and go back to Shelby, North Carolina and lay your roots uh, back home with your family and start Watts Perfections, uh, which you've been doing for quite some time now and, and rather successful at it. Um, what do you see in the future uh, for, for Watts Perfections? I hope to keep growing. I mean, business has gotten better. Um, I'm going to make sure my turnaround time may get a little slower. It due to the workload. I'm going to make sure whatever goes out the door isn't going to have to come back in the door. Only way it comes back in the door is for maintenance. I don't care who the customer is. I don't care if it's a $20 job or a $20,000 job. If it takes 10 minutes to do it, I may take 20. I'm going to make sure all my stuff is proper. When I lay it at night, I can lay down and not have no worries. And for those listening, uh, not only do you do off-road stuff, but you do street bikes as well, don't you? No, I just sell parts for them. Just sell parts. Fair enough. Yeah, just, um, I just like Tucker, Rocky parts, tires, chains. No, they can keep, I, I do work with a few of my buddies has some of these custom Harley choppers. Mm-hmm. But they're my buddies. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll work on them for them. But if someone brings a street bike up, you know, I'll, I'll say no thank you. Fair enough. I'll, I'll stick to dirt bikes, thanks. Yeah, they're cool Harley in the shop sounds good. To, that thing is thumping and rattling the walls and the door shaking. It does sound <laughs> pretty cool. Absolute. Well, Chad, I uh, really appreciate you taking some time with us tonight. We're uh, just, just coming up to about an hour. Um uh, Great insight, great stories, and uh, I, I think that uh, listeners are going to learn a lot about uh, all that goes into um, building a bike, some of the, the, the tedious work uh, that you've done, as well as uh, how to um, pull, pull the best out of these engines that you do. Um, if, if anyone uh, wants to get a hold of you to do some engine work, uh, obviously, if you're down there in Sh- uh, Shelby, North Carolina, you can get tire changes, suspension work, you name it. Uh, as well as if you're, you're listening from anywhere in North America, you can send your suspension or uh, a full motor to uh, Watts Perfections. How do they get a hold of you? You can either, the shop number is 704-538-9990. Website is chadwatts.wattsperfections.com. Email chadwatts.wattsperfections at yahoo.com. On all of them, make sure perfections is plural. Absolutely. Perfections because you're rolling out perfection, different perfections every single time that uh, you've got something coming in uh, to your shop there. Appreciate your time, my friend. You, uh, you're a great interview, and uh, I feel like uh, our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Well, I really appreciate it. I've got to tell you, you asking about that 2002 Perfect Season CR250. Yeah. <laughs> I do have one of the crankshafts I used out of the motor. I saved it. It was a $5,000 crankshaft, and it's set hidden in my bench where no one can see it, and I pull it out every now and then just to look at it. It was a pretty cool little piece to keep. No doubt. How does that, um, from someone who, who doesn't delve in too much into the bottom end of a motocross bike, how does that differ, or how does a, a crankshaft get to be $5,000? 
all handmade. You can change the counterbalance weights on it. I'm not going to mention what materials, but it was pretty simple test. You got, excuse me, pretty simple when you go testing. Yeah. If you know wanted the wheel spin to be a little less or a little more, you could change the weights without having to change the crank. But of course, you had to split the motor, but you still use the same crank. Hmm. It's pretty wow. cool. You know, well, that's inc- that's incredible, and thanks for uh, that last little tidbit there. Uh, appreciate your time, my friend, and uh, like I was, as always, all the best, and uh, have a good night. Thank you all. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content. <laughs>